Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone Chapter 3 The Letters from No One The escape of the Brazilian boa constrictor earned Harry his longest ever punishment. By the time he was allowed out of his cupboard again, the summer holidays had started and Dudley had already broken his new video camera, crashed his remote control plane, and first time out on his racing bike, knocked down old Mrs. Fick as she crouched to drive on her crutches. Harry was glad school was over, but there was no escaping Dudley's gang, who visited the house every single day. Pierce, Dennis, Malcolm, and Gordon were all big and stupid, but as Dudley was the biggest and the stupidest of the lot, he was the leader. The rest of them were all quite happy to join in Dudley's favorite sport, Harry hunting. That is why Harry spent as much time as possible out of the house, wandering around and thinking about the end of the holidays, where he could see a tiny ray of hope. When September came, he would be going off to secondary school, and for the first time in his life, he wouldn't be with Dudley. Dudley had, ex- Dudley had been accepted at Uncle Vernon's old private school, Smelting. Pierce Falkis was going there too. Harry, on the other hand, was going to Stonewall High, a local public school. Dudley thought this was very funny. They stuffed people's heads down the toilet the very first day at Stonewall, he told Harry. Want to come upstairs and practice? No thanks, said Harry. The poor toilets never had anything as horrible as your head down it. It might be sick. Then he ran before Dudley could work out what he had said. One day in July, Aunt Petunia took Dudley to London to buy his smelting uniform, leaving Harry at Mrs. Figg's. Mrs. Figg wasn't as bad as usual. It turned out she'd broken her leg tipping over, tripping over one of her cats, and she didn't seem quite as fond of them as before. Harry, she let Harry watch television and gave him a bit of chocolate cake that tasted as though she'd had it for several years. That evening, Dudley paraded around the living room for the family in his new, brand new uniform. Smelting boys wore maroon tailcoats, orange knickerbockers, and flat straw hats called boaters. They also carried they also carried knobbly sticks used for hitting each other while the teachers weren't looking. This was supposed to be good training for later life. As he looked at Dudley in his new knickerbockers, Uncle Vernon said gruffly that it was the proudest that it was the proudest moment of his life. Aunt Petunia burst into tears and said she couldn't believe it was her ickle Dudleykins. He looked so handsome and grown up. Harry didn't trust himself to speak. He thought two of his ribs might have already cracked from trying not to laugh. There was a horrible smell in the kitchen the next morning when Harry went in for the breakfast. It seemed to be coming from a large metal tub in the sink. He went to have a look. The tub was what the tub was full of what looked like dirty rags swimming in grey water. What's this? he asked. Aunt Petunia, her lips tightened, as they always did when he, if he dared to ask a question. Your new school uniform, she said.
Harry looked in the bowl again. Oh, he said. I didn't realize it had to be so wet. Don't be stupid, snapped Aunt Petunia. I'm dyeing some of Dudley's old things gray for you. It'll look just like everyone else's when I've finished. Harry seriously doubted this, but thought it best not but thought it best not to argue. He sat down at the table, trying not to think about what he was going to look on his first day at Stonewall High. Like he was wearing bits of old elephant skin, probably. Dudley and Uncle Vernon came in, both with wrinkled noses because of the smell from Harry's new uniform. Uncle Vernon opened his newspaper, as usual, and Harry banged his smelting stick, which he carried everywhere on the table. They heard the click of the mail slot, of the mail slot and the flop of letters down the doormat. Get the mail, Dudley, said Uncle Vernon from behind his paper. Make Harry get it. Get the mail, Harry. Make Dudley get it. Poke him with your smelting stick, Dudley. Harry dodged the smelting stick and went to get the mail. The three things lay on the doormat. A postcard from Uncle Ronan's sister Marge, who was vacationing on the Isle of Wight, a brown envelope that looked like a bill, and a letter for Harry. Harry picked it up and stared at it, his heart twanging like a giant elastic band. No one ever in his whole life had ever written to him. Who would? He had no friends, no other relatives. He didn't belong to the library, so he never never even got rude notes asking for books back. Yet, here it was, a letter addressed so plainly that there could be no mistake. Mr. H. Potter, the cupboard under the stairs, for Privet Drive, Little Winging, Surrey. The envelope was thick and heavy, made of yellowish parchment, and the address was written in emerald ink. There was no stamp. Turning the, ev- turning the envelope over with his hand trembling, Harry saw a purple wax seal bearing a coat of arms, a lion, an eagle, a badger, and a snake surrounding the large a the large letter H. Hurry up, boy! shouted Uncle Vernon from the kitchen. What are you doing there, checking for letter bombs? He chuckled at his own joke. Uh-huh. Harry went back down to the kitchen, still staring at his letter. He handed Uncle Vernon the bill and the postcard, sat down, and slowly began to open the yellow envelope. Uncle Vernon ripped open the bill, snorted in disgust, flipped over the postcard, Marge is ill, he informed, and he informed Aunt Petunia. Ate a funny whelk. Dad, said Dudley suddenly, Dad, Harry's got something. Harry was on the point of unfolding his letter, which was written in the same heavy parchment as the envelope, when it was jerked sharply out of his hand by Uncle Vernon. That's mine, said Harry, trying to snatch it back. Who'd be writing to you? sneered Uncle Vernon shaking the letter open with one hand and glancing at it. His face went from red to green faster than the set of traffic lights. And it didn't stop there. Within a second, it was the grayish white of old porridge. Petunia? He gasped. Dudley tried to grab, grab the letter to read it, but Uncle Vernon had it high out of his reach. Aunt Petunia took it curiously and read the first line. 
For a moment, it looked as though she might faint. She clutched her throat and made a choking noise. Vernon! Oh my goodness, Vernon! They stared at each other, seeming to have forgotten that Harry and Dudley were still in the room. Dudley wasn't used to be ignored. He gave his father a sharp catch on the head with his melting stick. I want to read that letter, he said loudly. I want to read it, said Harry. It's mine. Get out, both of you, croaked Uncle Vernon, stuffing the letter back inside the envelope. Harry didn't move. I want my letter, he shouted. Let me see it, demanded Dudley. Out, roared Uncle Vernon, and he both took and he took both Harry and Dudley by the scruffs of their necks and threw them into the hall, slamming the kitchen door behind them. Harry and Dudley promptly had a furious but silent fight over who would listen at the keyhole. Dudley won, so Harry, his glasses dangling from one ear, lay flat on his stomach and trying to listening at the trying to listen at the crack between the door and the floor. Vernon, Aunt Petunia was saying in a quivering voice, Look at the address. How could they possibly know where he sleeps? You don't think they're watching the house? Watching? Spying? They might be following us, um, muttered Uncle Vernon wildly. But what should we do, Vernon? Should we write back? Tell them we don't want... Harry could see Uncle Vernon's shiny black shoes pacing up and down the kitchen. No, he said finally. No, we'll ignore it. And if we don't get an answer, yes, that's the best. We won't do anything. But I'm not having one in the house, Petunia. Didn't we swear when he took him, he we'd, we'd, da- we'd stamp this, the dangerous stuff out of him? That evening, as he wa- when he got back from work, Uncle Vernon did something he'd never done before. He visited Harry in his cupboard. Where's my letter? said Harry the moment Uncle Vernon had squeezed through the door. Who's writing to me? No one. It was addressed to you by mistake, said Uncle Vernon shortly. I have burned it. It was not a mistake, said Harry angrily. It had my cupboard on it. Silence, yelled Uncle Vernon, and a couple of spiders fell off from the ceiling. He took a few deep breaths and then forced his face into a smile, which looked quite painful. Er, yes, Harry, about this cupboard. Your aunt and I have been thinking you're really getting a bit big for it. I think it might be nice if you moved into Dudley's second bedroom. Why? asked Harry. Don't ask questions, snapped his uncle. Take the stuff upstairs now. The Dursley's house had four bedrooms, one for Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia, one for visitors, usually Uncle Vernon's sister Marge, one where Dudley slept, and one where Dudley kept all his toys and things that wouldn't fit into his first bedroom. It only took Harry one trip upstairs to move everything he owned from the cupboard to his room. He sat down on the bed and stared around him. Nearly everything in there was broken. A month-old video camera was lying on top of a small working tank that Lee had once driven over the next-door neighbor's dog. In the corner was Dudley's first-ever television set, which he'd put his foot through when his favorite program had been canceled. There was a large birdcage, which had once held a parrot 
that Dudley had swapped a school for a real air rifle, which was up on the shelf and with the end all bent because Dudley had sat on it. Other shelves were full of books. There was only one thing, the only things in the room that looked as though they never had been touched. From downstairs came the sound that Dudley's, of Dudley bawling at his mother. I don't want him in there. I need that room. Make him get out. Harry sighed and stretched out on the bed. Yesterday he'd given any he had given anything to be up here. Today he'd rather be back in his cupboard with that letter up here than up here without it. Next morning at breakfast everyone was rather quiet. Dudley was in shock. He screamed, whacked his father with his uh, with the snorting stick, had been sick on purpose, kicked his mother, thrown his tortoise through the greenhouse roof, and he still didn't have his room back. Harry was thinking about his crime yesterday and bitterly wishing he'd opened the letter in the hall. Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia kept looking at each other darkly. When the mail arrived, Uncle Vernon, who seemed who was to be trying to be nice to Harry, made Dudley go and get it. They heard him banging things with his smelting stick all the way down the hall. Then he shouted, There's another one, Mr. Mr. H. Potter, the smallest bedroom, Mr. Four Privet Drive. There was a strangled cry. Uncle Vernon leapt from his seat, ran down the hall, Harry right beside him. Uncle Vernon had to wrestle Dudley to get to, to the ground to get the letter from him, which was made difficult by the fact that Harry had grabbed Uncle Vernon around the neck from behind. After a minute of confused fighting, in which everyone got hit a lot by the smelting stick, Uncle Vernon straightened up, gasping for breath, with Harry's letter clutched in his hand. Go to your cupboard. I mean your bedroom, he reached at Harry. Dudley, go. Just go. Harry walked around and around in his new room. Somebody knew he had moved out of his cupboard, and they seemed to know he hadn't received his first letter. Surely they meant they'd try it again, and this time he made sure he'd make sure they didn't fail. He had a plan. The repaired elm clock rang at six o'clock in the morning. Harry turned it off and quickly dressed silently. He mustn't wake the Dursleys. He stole downstairs without turning on any of the lights. He was going to wait for the postman on the corner of Frivet Drive and get the letters for number four first. His heart hammered as he crept across the dark hall toward the front, toward the front door. Ah! Harry leapt in the air. He trodden on something big and squashy on the doormat, something alive. Lights clicked on upstairs, and to his horror, Harry realized that this big, squashy thing, something that had been had been his uncle's face. Uncle Vernon had been lying on the foot of the door in a sleeping bag clearly making sure that Harry didn't do exactly what he'd been trying to do. He shouted at Harry for about an half an hour and told him to go and make a cup of tea. Harry shuffled miserably off into the kitchen, and by the time he'd got back, the mail had arrived right into Uncle Vernon's lap. Harry could see three letters addressed in green link. I want, he began, but Uncle Vernon was tearing the letters into pieces before his eyes. Uncle Vernon didn't go to work that day. He stayed at home and nailed up every mail spot. See, dealer, he, see, he explained to Aunt Petunia, the amount full of nails. 
If they can't deliver them, they'll just give up. I'm not sure that will work, Sir Vernon. Oh, these people's minds work in strange ways, Petunia. They're not like you and me, said Uncle Vernon, trying to knock in a nail with a piece of fruit cake Uncle Aunt Petunia had just brought him. On Friday, no less than twelve letters had arrived for Harry. They, as they couldn't go through the mail slot, they had been pushed under the door, slotted through the sides, and even and few even forced through the small window in the downstairs bathroom. Uncle Vernon stayed home again. After burning all the letters, he got out and, with a hammer and nails, and boarded up the cracks around the front and back of the doors so that no one could go out. He hummed tiptoe through the tulips as he worked and jumped at small noises. On Saturday, things began to get out of hand. Twenty-four letters to Harry found their way into the house, rolled up and hidden inside each of the two dozen eggs that had been that their com- very confused milkman had handed Aunt Petunia through the living room window, while Uncle Vernon made a furious telephone calls to the post office and the dar and the dairy, trying to find someone who could to complain to. Aunt Petunia shredded the letters in her food processor. Who on the earth wants to talk to you this badly? Dudley asked Harry in amazement. On Sunday morning, Uncle Vernon sat down at breakfast table, looking tired and rather ill, but happy. No post on Sundays, he reminded them cheerfully, as he spread marmalade onto his newspapers. No damn letters today. Something came whizzing down the kitchen chimney as he spoke and caught him sharply on the back of the head. Next moment, thirty or forty letters came pelting out of the fireplace like bullets. Dursley's ducked, but Harry leapt into the hair, trying to catch one. Out! Out! Uncle Vernon seized seized Harry around the waist and threw him into the hall. When Aunt Petunia and Dudley had run out with their arms over their faces, Uncle Vernon slammed the door shut. They could hear the letters still streaming into the room, bouncing off the walls and floor. That does it! Uncle, said Uncle Vernon, trying to speak calmly, but pulling great tufts out of his mustache at the same time. I want you all back here in five minutes, ready to leave. We're going to go away. Just pack some clothes, no arguments. He looked so dangerous that half, with half his mustache missing that no one dared to argue. Ten minutes later, they had wrenched their way toward, through the boarded-up doors and were in a car speeding toward the highway. Dudley was sniffling in the back seat. His father had hit him around his head for holding them up while he tried to pack his television, VCR, and computer in his sports bag. They drove and they drove. Even Aunt Petunia didn't dare ask where they were going. Every now and then, Uncle Vernon would take a sharp turn, drive in the opposite direction for a while. Shake him off! Shake him off! He would mutter whenever he did this. They didn't stop to eat or drink all the way. By nightfall, Dudley was howling. He'd never had such a bad day in his life. He was hungry, he'd missed five television programs he'd wanted to see, and he'd never gone so long without blowing up an alien on his computer. Uncle Vernon stopped at last outside a gloomy-looking hotel on the outskirts of a big city. Dudley and Harry shared a room with twin beds and dust and damp, musty sheets. Dudley snored, but Harry stayed awake, sitting on the windowsill, staring down at the lights of passing cars and wondering. 
They ate stale cornflakes and cold tin tomatoes on toast for breakfast the next day. They had just finished when the owner of the hotel came over their table. Excuse me, but is one of you Mr. H. Potter? Only I got about a hundred of these at the front desk. She held up a letter so that they could read the green ink address. Mr. H. Potter, room 17, Railview Hotel, Coquart. Harry made a grab for the letter, but Uncle Vernon knocked his hand out of the way. The woman stared. I'll take them, said Uncle Vernon, standing up quickly and following her through the dar- from the dining room. Wouldn't it be better just to go home, dear? Aunt Petunia suggested timidly hours later, but Uncle Vernon didn't seem to hear her. Exactly what he was looking for, none of them knew. He drove them into the middle of the forest, got out, looked around, shook his head, got back in the car, and off they went again. The same thing happened in the middle of a plowed field, halfway across a suspension bridge, and at the top of a multi-level parking garage. Daddy's gone mad, hasn't he? Dudley asked his Aunt Petunia, stilly late in the afternoon. Uncle Vernon had parked at the coast, locked them all inside the car, and disappeared. It started to rain. Great drops of beat on the front of the roof of the car. Dudley sniveled again. It's Monday, he told his mother. The great Humberto's on tonight. I want to stay somewhere with a television. Monday reminded Harry of something. If it was Monday, and you could usually count on Dudley's to know the days of the week because of the television, then tomorrow, Tuesday, was Harry's 11th birthday. Of course, his birthdays were never exactly fun. Last year's, Dudley, the Dursleys had given him a coat hanger and a pair of Uncle Vernon's old socks. Still, you weren't 11 every day. Uncle Vernon was back. He was smiling. He was also carrying a long, thin package and didn't answer. Aunt Petunia, when she asked what he'd bought, found the perfect, found the perfect place, she said. Come on, everyone, out. It was a very cold outside the car. Uncle Vernon was pointing at what looked like a large rock way out on the sea. Perched on top of the rock was the most miserable little shack you could imagine. One thing was certain. There was no television in there. Storm forecast for tonight, said Uncle Vernon gleefully, clapping his hands together, and this gentleman's kindly agreed to lend us a boat. The toothless old man came ambling up to them, pointing with rather a wicked grin at an old rowboat bobbing in the iron-gray water below them. I've already got us some rations, said Uncle Vernon, so all aboard. It was freezing in the boat, icy spray water and rain tripped down their necks. It was chill and a chilly wind whipped their faces. After what seemed like hours, they reached a rock where Uncle Vernon slipped and sliding laid, led the way to the broken door house. Inside was horrible. It smelled strongly of seaweed the wind, and the wind whistled through the gaps in the wooden walls and the fireplace was damp and empty. There were only two rooms. Uncle Vernon's rations turned out to be a bag of chips each and four bananas. He tried to start a fire, but with the but the empty chip bags just smoked and shoveled up. Could do with some of those letters now, eh? He said cheerfully. Harry, he was in very good mood. Obviously, he thought. 
nobody stood a chance of reaching there of the reaching them here in a storm to deliver mail. Harry privately agreed, but the thought didn't didn't but the thought didn't cheer him up at all. As the night fell, the promised storm blew up around them. Spray from the high waves spray from the high waves splattered the walls and the hut of the hut and with a fierce fierce wind rattled the filthy windows. Aunt Petunia found a few moldy blankets in the second room and made up a bed of for for Dudley on the mount on the mock eaten sofa. She and Uncle Vernon went off onto the lumpy bed next door. Harry was left to find the softest bit of floor he could call he could curl up under the thinnest and most ragged blanket. The storm raged on and more more and more furiously as the night went on. Harry couldn't sleep. He shivered and turned over, trying to get comfortable, his stomach rumbling with hunger. Dudley's snores were drowned by a low by low rolls of thunder that started near midnight. The light to dial of Dudley's watch was dangling on the edge of the sofa on his fat wrist. He told Harry he'd be eleven in ten minutes' time. He lay and watched his birthday tick nearer, wondering if the Dursleys would remember it at all, wondering where the letter writer was now. Five minutes to go. Harry heard something creak outside. He hoped the roof wasn't going to fall in, although he might be warmer if it did. Four minutes to go. Maybe the house in Privet Drive would be so full of letters when they got back, he'd be able to steal one somehow. Three minutes to go. Was that the sea, slapping hard on the rock like that? And two minutes to go. What was that funny crunching noise? Was the rock crumbling, crumbling into the sea? One minute go, and he'd be eleven. Thirty seconds. Ten. Twenty. Ten. Nine. Maybe he'd wake Dudley up just to annoy him. Three. Two. One. Boom! The whole shack shivered, and Harry sat bolt upright, staring at the door. Someone was outside, knocking to come in.